Welcome to Fringe Division. Welcome to Fringe Division, the spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I am Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 1, A New Day in the Old Town. It was written by Akiva Goldsman and J.J. Abrams, directed by Akiva Goldsman, and uh, you can just use the first Akiva Goldsman, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was written by Akiva Goldsman and J.J. Abrams and directed by Akiva Goldsman. It first aired on uh, Fox in America on September the 17th, 2009. Yeah, well, in season two, Martin. Season two, woohoo. So, we are saying hello to Agent Jessup and goodbye to Agent Charlie Francis. Bye-bye. Charlie has, um, d- has ceased to be. He is an ex- Agent. Um, <laughs> Can they get refunds? <laughs> so, yeah. Let's just get into this then, because when we were doing season one, I had to edit out a lot of times when you and I said Charlie's going to die anyway um, in season two. Although the actor's still in the show because he's currently a shapeshifter, um, that is actually truly it for for Charlie. You're good at watching uh, other programmes. Didn't he have another job lined up? Wasn't that why he was written out? And why we... Um, I can't say that. I don't... I don't know. I mean, he has done other things. Uh, but right about that time, I'm not sure. I think they wrote him out because Charlie... They just didn't have anything else to do with Charlie. I mean, it's a shame because... I mean, the scene with Charlie and Olivia in the hospital is one of the best scenes Charlie's ever been in. For all of uh, Charlie's being a useless twonk, uh-huh. he did have that connection with Olivia that none of the other characters uh, really have, which yeah. I think is missed later on. The thing about that is he he's not... The relationship isn't really shown as much... As it is in just one scene in this, in this um, episode, mm. because that one scene they actually showed genuine affection for each other, and he's glad she's alive, and he kisses on the forehead. Yeah, yeah. I think there's more in that one scene than there is in the entire of season one, um, where they just the the, the actors owe their colleagues, whereas here the actors owe their friends. And yeah. then Charlie dies in the next scene that we see him. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a shame, and I genuinely don't remember how long we see the actor um, as the shapeshifter. So you know, we'll 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 see how long he's he's in it for. But Charlie's gone. Charlie is dead, and I like how well like um, they sort of put a. 
like a cap on it. It's like, yeah, Charlie's dead. His body is like gone. <laughs> he throwed he throwed them in the fire. He dead. Yeah, they don't leave that one up for interpretation. No, exactly. He's gone. I can't actually find anything about him leaving. Uh, if I find anything, I should have done it. But if I find anything, I will talk about it next week. So, Martin, exciting stuff, season two. Um, what did you think of this episode? I was excited. Because Meghan Markle's in it. I'm trying to remember, I mean, I think it was ten years ago that I first saw this. And mm. uh, pretty sure I had all the DVDs uh, lined up. Uh, I lent my season one to someone from Sewing Club and they never gave it back. Um, so if you're listening, can I, have, can I have my season one back, please? Yeah. But I don't think I had a particular wait to start season two. So I can't remember if I found it anticlimactic or frustrating that we don't get answers. Because obviously, last time we saw Agent Denim, it was like, woohoo, answer time. And yeah, that wasn't continued into this episode. No. I like how you're just calling her Denim again. It's, it's you know, it's like we never left. Um, yeah, so Meghan Markle is in this episode. But she's not the important one, because one third of Bross, 80s boy band Bross, is in this episode. And that is more exciting to me than um, future Duchess, um, because he is from Bross. I completely forgot that... Luke Goss and Bross. Oh, are they like Brothers Goss? Is that why they're Bross? There's uh, the two... There's two twins, and they're Brothers Goss, and then there was another dude who played the drums. I have no idea what a Bross is, I just know there was a film about them fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. When the screaming stops or something. It's about mm. when Bross um, fell out of favour. People stopped buying their stuff, I think. Um, but, you know, they were a very popular 80s boy band in the UK. You were probably too young, Martin. Potentially. Yeah. When were you born? 85. Uh, you, yeah, you would have been about three. Mm. The ages three till six, maybe. So you probably never heard them. Mm. I completely forgot that Meghan Markle was uh, Agent Jessup when she was getting married and stuff. I know she was in Suits because Laura watched that a bit, uh, but I can't say I was particularly interested. Do you reckon she'll play herself on The Crown? (laughs) That's actually a brilliant idea. (laughs) Have you heard who they've cast as John Major? Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller? I guess they're trying to find a way to sell the Edwina Curry thing. Yeah, who are they going to cast as Edwina Curry? Because um, if you look at John Major and you look at Johnny Lee Miller, they're not exactly twins, are they? They're, they're not the brothers Goss. But then... Ross. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have said that Agent Scully looked particularly like uh, Maggie Thatcher, and there we are. Y- yeah, but still, he's too attractive to be John Major. No offence to John Major. Maybe but, they'll just use, like, a beige filter and train him to be boring. Yeah, because the Spitting Image puppet of John Major um, back in the day when Spitting Image wasn't American, their puppet was it was grey because um, he's dull. Um, but that was one of those puppets that looked almost exa- exactly like <laughs> the person that they were um, parodying, which is scary because it's a puppet. So you're saying the puppet didn't look very much like Johnny Lee Miller? No, it didn't at all. 
Which is good because, you know, Johnny Lee Miller doesn't look like John Major, so, you know, that's just bizarre casting, isn't I, it? I don't know why, but I find The Crown really watchable. Yeah, my mum likes it. I don't I've never actually watched it. Like, it shouldn't be that good, and then it is. Um, the only problem I really have is I'm just not sure how comfortable I am finding the Queen sexy. <laughs> Uh, you think you think Olivia Coleman sexy? Um, more um, <laughs> more um, Claire Foy. M- more Claire Foy. But yeah, yeah. I mean Olivia Coleman. I mean, she's like if the opportunity came up. Yeah, wouldn't say no. Yeah. I reckon she'd. I reckon you'd have a you'd you'd have a fun date with Olivia Coleman. I think you would actually. I reckon she's good at jokes. Yeah. That's always nice on a date. Anyway, let's not talk about um, that. You're listening to Madge Division, the Crown Podcast. <laughs> Madge Division. That would be amazing. Let's do that. <laughs> Fuck this podcast. Let's do one about the Crown Cop Madge Division. Right. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go through the plot as we are wont to do, Martin. Hooray! And... If you want to sort of just butt in and speak about things that I say, we will talk about them. Okay. A mysterious man involved in a downtown Manhattan collision. By the way, they no longer film in New York. They're now filming in Vancouver. They've been sent to Canada for low ratings. Exactly. Well, the ratings were pretty good in season one. Um, I think round about like season three, I'm going to have to not say the hit TV show Fringe in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> A mysterious man involved in a downtown Manhattan collision with an SUV flees the scene to a nearby apartment building. He enters the building and attacks a random man who is played by one of the brothers Goss from Bros. Hooking up an, uh, uh, hooking up equipment to the man's inner mouth, uh, which allows him to adopt his external appearance and shapeshift. So we've now got shapeshifters, Martin. Ah, oh, not another weird thing. I know, more weird things in this bloody show. I wonder where this guy's come from. I don't know. Maybe one of those parallel universes that we've been talking about. The crashed SUV is discovered to be Olivia's, though she is not inside. Peter and Walter arrive and investigate the scene while being accosted by a new junior agent, Amy Jessup, played by future Duchess Meghan Markle. Amy Jessup, who wonders what they do for the FBI... After Walter searches through the SUV, he shuts the door and Olivia suddenly ejects through the windshield. Oh, that was so cool! Uh, that was it like, was. It was like, yeah, Fringe is back, cut to titles! But do you remember when we were talking about last season, I think we were talking about the finale, and I said to you that um, Olivia was in the car when she got transported? Yes. Yes. Well, that, this is why I think she was in the car when she was transported. That makes sense. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for. <laughs> but that would mean they had an identical car and an identical place for her to transport into. Yeah, I know. It's weird, but... Although that whole Mirror Universe bit in the season one finale doesn't really track with what we have later on, so let's not worry about it. And that gets yeah. rule of you at home too. Yeah, don't worry about it. After Walters, I've said that bit. Um... Olivia is rushed to the hospital and declared brain dead. Peter and Broyles drink at a bar together in sorrow. That's a really nice moment. I, like It is. Mm-hmm. They do some really um, 
nice little subtle character bits in this episode. Actually, I like for as frustrating as it probably is first time round that you don't really get any answers. Um, they. It's nice that this episode has a little bit more breathing room, which is ironical considering it's got about 10 minutes less runtime than season one. Yeah, exactly. Right, so... Blah, blah, blah. Broyles reveals the French Division is being shut down because of their failure to provide usable results. Suspicious and curious of French Division, Jessup begins a personal investigation into their past activities. When they said that French Division was getting shut down because of... Uh, Failure to provide reasonable results. I was worried that we were going to have a Stargate-style clip show. Right. The three people who watch Stargate and Fringe and listen to this uh, podcast are laughing at that. Yeah, they're three of our six listeners. Yeah. Um. So, Jessup, Amy Jessup, right? She's she's not endearing me um, to her so far. She, her dialogue with Peter sort of reeks of exposition... It kind of feels like the sort of character that Joey would audition for on Friends. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really feel... It's just like, oh, yeah, it's a spunky junior FBI agent who uh, goes on her own initiative. Right. Does it seem to you... I'm not that... saying the rest of Friends has an overabundance of being grounded, but... Uh... No. The way they're setting Jessup up in this episode, right? Especially in the first half of the episode. It seems to me they're setting her up as a replacement for Olivia. Yeah, kind of. Because it's not unusual for a cast member of a TV show to be gone in season two. No, especially the way um, that Olivia's in hospital all episode. And she's brain dead. But then she wakes up. um, But you can still maybe believe that she could be stepping back and Jessup is the new lead. Yeah. Because um, they even set up a relationship with her and Peter and Walter. It's very, it's very odd, this episode, introducing that character. And as I said, I don't necessarily like her, like, straight away. And it's got nothing to do with who's playing her, because I really don't care. But um, I just don't, the way she is towards them at first, I just, she's not, out the gate, I'm not a fan. But we'll see how it goes. I like how Olivia's out the picture, Fringe Division is on its knees, and Peter's had all his clearances revoked, while still at the same time having, you know, more information than the actual FBI agent. Um, Mm. I thought that was an interesting setup going into a new season. Yeah, it just annoys me that she's like, what does Fringe Division do? Tell me this, tell me that, what's this, what's that? Who are you? What's this? Who's that dad? Who's your dad? Who's that cow? Who's that cow? Yeah. That's Astrid. Don't don't be mean. Right. So, yeah, it just annoyed me. It it just seemed like she's been crammed in there. Um, they should have like maybe left some of that for the next episode. But hey ho. I mean, I wonder how season two was planned out, and if things were laid out and then had to be changed, or if it was made up as they went along. I uh, probably the second one because I don't know season two is one that I don't really remember that much from what I recall uh, I don't know what I've said to you and what I've said to the listeners um, what I've said to the listeners and you've cut out mm-hmm. so sorry uh, to our six listeners if I've said this before um, I originally watched Fringe about 10 years ago 2011 mm-hmm. 
Um, because for when our podcast is so successful that people go back through the back catalogue. Um, thanks, we're glad to have you. Um, of course. I watched the pilot when it first aired, and I enjoyed it, but it didn't grab me. I found out what the ending of season one was, and I was like, okay, let's give this a proper shot. Um, and I remember halfway through season two, maybe, through the end of season three, being the strongest run of the show. I didn't get... Mm-hmm. Uh, through the end of season four, uh, which I will now go back and rectify for the mm-hmm. podcast. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's from the start of season two or about halfway through that things sort of kick up a notch. But definitely we are like the last few episodes of season one and going to season two. It feels like a more motivated show than a lot of season one did. Yeah. I mean, you do. You you did remember some things because you remembered the um, the typewriter. Yes. And you also remembered the shapeshifters as well, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, and Meghan Markle, you know. Um, but I I I remembered her character. I didn't remember it was Meghan Markle. Right. Okay. Cool. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really expecting any fringe guest stars to marry into the monarchy at all. Yeah. I mean. If I had to pick one, I'd probably have gone for John Noble, but, you know, we takes what we can get. He's not a guest star, though. I know, you've ruined my wording there. But how good would he be as a duke or something? That would be amazing. It would be amazing. Like, Liz would do whatever queening she does, and then he'd just be in the corner filling, uh, you know, Harry and Wills up with LSD in uh, sensory deprivation tanks. (laughs) (laughs) And then... And then he would uh, tell Prince George that he will never recognise him as king and uh, jump off of um, Buckingham Palace, which was a Lord of the Rings reference for you there. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yes, I did name-check Prince George just in case Zarban ever listens. Yeah, yeah, because he's got a weird fascination with that child. Yes. um... But, yeah. After talking to Rachel about her sister, Peter visits Olivia, who's scheduled 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 to be taken off life support the following morning. However, Olivia wakes up crying uh, a Greek phrase because I'm not. I know it. I shouldn't because it's just well, a silly sci-fi show, but I found the bit with Rachel and Peter really moving. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best scene that Rachel's been in. Absolutely, and she didn't have that annoying child clinging to her. And what is it with characters telling other characters that uh, presumably deceased characters were in fact interested in the, in them the whole time? If you've ever been in a uh, unrequited uh, romance and found out the other person in fact liked you back but is now dead, did that satisfy you? Or was it more frustrating than if you'd never known? Answers on a postcard to Fringe Division, Jimmy's House, Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Or contact shiftybench.co.uk. Olivia does not remember getting injured and incoherently tells Peter there is something they need to do and their lives may depend on it, but cannot remember who told her this or why. Convenience. It was Spock in the other universe. Yeah, yeah, we know this. Doesn't she have TiVo? Exactly. We could, or the internet, so she can look at Wikipedia. Um, so I... Yeah, we can, it's good. We can say Spock now. Because <laughs> he's been in the episodes last week. I bet you're going to bleep it out of season. habit. Probably. 
Peter tries to enter the FBI building but is denied until Jessup agrees to accompany him. She questions him about Fringe Division and they begin investigating the driver who hit Olivia. When they arrive at his apartment they discover what appears to be the driver's body but he has been dead longer um, than when the accident took place. I think the whole um, parallel universe shapeshifters is a really cool subplot. But it says here they found the driver's body, but shouldn't they have also found Luke Goss's body? No, because he walked away. But also, yes, shut up, Jimmy, don't worry about it. Yeah, because there's two Charlies. Um, They do find his body and... Yeah, never mind, doesn't matter. Anyway... Um, I watched this a few nights ago. I don't remember. I don't know if it's happened yet, but I uh-huh. really like the bit where Broyles is like, here's your report. It doesn't mention anything. Sign it and get on with your life. Because yeah. it would usually be such a cliched scene in any X-Files type film. Um, but having it come from one of our characters about something that we all know about already uh, gave it a nice spin. And yeah. I wonder if Broyles actually wrote it himself and sort of spent the previous evening just being like, dum-da-dum, normal car crash, write out the report, everything's normal here. Or if he had an underling do it, who was like, oh, why do you need me to write this, sir? And he'd be like, don't question it, just do it. My voice is deep. Liaison. (laughs) He wrote it. The shapeshifted man makes contact with his group via typewriter. An allegedly non-existent model of IBM Selectric. This is a cool scene. This, um, if you read any sort of like uh, John Le Carre sort of hard spycraft books, the idea of uh-huh. like the sleeper agent who uh, has like a front that they lead for years on years, waiting for when they're needed, sort of comes up quite a lot. And that was cool. You like we don't see much of this guy, but. Uh, you sort of get a sense of the character with just a short scene and the visuals mm-hmm. of the char- of the typewriters in the mirror was really cool and even though the actual typing was an effect shot. Yeah. The shapeshifter has told his mission to prevent a meeting was unsuccessful as Olivia is still alive. He's told to interrogate her then kill her. Um, meanwhile, Peter introduces Jessup to their lab at Harvard and we get a line from our opening, our um, intro for the podcast, when he says, welcome to Fringe Division. Hooray! Um, yeah, that's from this episode. I love it when you're watching a show and you can tell when a shot is from the uh, titles. Yeah. Unless it's Angel, because they're all from like the first f- four episodes. <laughs> yeah. For season one they are, yeah. 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 Um, you watch the first couple of episodes of season one, you're like, that shot's in the titles, that shot's in the titles, all these shots are in the titles. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Americans? The TV show, not the I watched, American. I watched the, <laughs> I watched the first season. Typewriter guy kind of reminded me of that show a little bit. Right. Isn't it on Netflix? I think I was watching it on Netflix for a bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll catch it at some point. I, I can't remember if I got to the end of season one or not. Um, yeah. It's not that I stopped watching it. It's just that I haven't watched any since the last episode I watched. And now it's been a couple of years. But I was quite enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, but I just don't really have the time for watching anything just now. Just like I don't really have the time for writing my book. I just don't mm. have the time for stuff. It's just, it's it's crazy things just now. And it's like babysitting a one-year-old for an entire day 
and then having dinner, you don't want to sit and watch a movie or a TV show or write something. You just want to sleep. You just want to lie down and just listen to music or a podcast. And then even then, you don't really take the podcast in, and then you miss it, and you fall asleep, and you have to listen to the rest tomorrow, and you're on the same podcast for a week and a half because you keep falling asleep during it. If you listen to our episodes whilst falling asleep, then why not leave a review? Five stars, please. Yeah, leave reviews and... Yeah, five stars, don't don't be mean. And leave us some feedback. Contact at shiftedbench.co.uk, like I said earlier. And we will read your feedback on this very podcast. Like I did on my other podcast, so what's the problem? When we got feedback for that. So, yeah, send us feedback. Right, so, autopsy. They find three holes in the roof of his mouth. Walter shows them archive footage of one of his 1970s experiments of a drugged-up girl who says she sees shape-changing soldiers from a parallel universe that can look um, like any of us. Dun-dun-dun! After being visited by her partner, Agent Charlie Francis, and given a gun, Olivia is successfully questioned by, unsuccessfully questioned by the shapeshifter who has adopted the appearance of a female nurse. Right, go back to the scene with Charlie. Who? Oh yeah, he used to be on the show, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Charlie talks about almost dying, then dies. That's pretty mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Um, but yeah, I really like that. He he's he's great in that scene, and I just wish we saw more of that that side of their friendship. You know, it's always refreshing when they don't try and force a heroic death on someone and just off them. And yeah, it was also quite clean that they simply had him get killed and replaced rather than waiting five episodes and going twist. He was a shapeshifter the whole time. Yeah, no, it's good that they did it this way. J.J. Uh, Abrams did this in another one of his shows. Who was a shapeshifter on Lost? <laughs> no, an alias. I only saw the first season. Yeah, yeah. Someone dies in, in, in um, season two of Alias, and they've got a double. It's not a shapeshifter, it's a double. But it's pretty clear that the, the original person's dead, um, and then we know that it's a double for the rest of the... Season, so. There's an episode of Deep Space Nine where they reveal one of the leads had been a shapeshifter for a couple of episodes, which really doesn't make sense in the previous episodes. All right. See the scene with the nurse? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I actually think it would have been better if the nurse wasn't the shapeshifter. I was wondering if they were going for a, is Olivia just really paranoid now angle? Yeah, because it becomes really obvious towards the end of the scene, obviously, but... I just think that it would have been quite ballsy of them to have that scene and then it's like, and then she leaves and then Luke Goss from Bross comes in and tries to kill her. And remember, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not a shapeshifter. Exactly. Um, we could be shapeshifters, you know? I could be a shapeshifter and you don't know it. And you could be a shapeshifter and I don't know it. If you were a shapeshifter, then you wouldn't know the intro to the podcast. And since we did, then we are who we say we are. But... No, Jimmy, no one listens to the podcast. It's fine. No, that's actually true. Yeah, I was going to say they couldn't listen to the podcast, but no, nobody does. Right. The nurse attempts to kill Olivia, but is shot and flees um, from Jessup. There's another thing, right? Jessup saves Olivia. They're building Jessup up. Jessup could be what the uh, 1970s fanfic community referred to as a Mary Sue. You think so? Nah, probably not. 
I mean, she's a new character who comes in and becomes best friends with all the characters. Apart from Olivia. But she does save Olivia's life. So mm-hmm. maybe she is getting upped to um, best friend status for that. Uh, that's only because Peter doesn't have a gun. Uh Peter, Charlie and Jessup follow her, uh, follow the nurse into nearby tunnels but become separated. Peter and Jessup hear gunshots and arrive to see that Charlie has apparently killed the shapeshifter. Peter returns to Olivia and tells her the Greek, the Greek phrase she said earlier means to be, um, be a better person than your father and it was told to him every night by his mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things you're like oh that's a nice generic phrase because you know each generation didn't, should improve oh wait no he specifically means Walter yeah after being told by a panel of senators that French division is not worth the human or fiscal cost Broyles is given a transformation device by Peter so Broyles can justify French division remaining active I've seen this scene in so many different sci-fis but I love it yeah can we just, though, before... I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can't. But can we just point something out that Nina kisses Broyles in the mouth? I just want to point that out. After it has been established that uh, she... Well, at least heavily implied that she had a relationship with Walter. And William Bell. Yes. Yes. And now Broyles. No shaming. No, 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 no. No, no slut shaming here. Although, to be fair, it's in keeping with her casual relationship she'd had with him since the start. Yeah. Well, yeah. It just it just sort of took me aback. It was like, oh, right, okay, so that's a relationship. Or the relationship they've had mm-hmm. in the past. So, uh, you know, why not? In a separate scene, Agent Jessup is shown working at a computer. You know what's really weird, and I don't think this would make for good podcast chatter, but I assure you it's on topic. There was a point when I was first watching this where I was really interested in computer graphics in film and TV. Mm-hmm. Like, the interface that Jessup is using is clearly not legit software. It's something an art department's put together. Mm-hmm. And there are several practitioners who achieved almost rock star status for their um, user interfaces for films. And I had to make a couple for some projects and there was an episode of Fringe where Olivia's looking through her emails, which was clearly like some the FBI email program and not just Outlook. And mm. I swore it was in season one, and now I don't remember if it ever happened at all. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, Agent Jessup was shown working at a computer, annotating an image of the creature from the Transformation episode with biblical verses notably from the Book of Revelation. So, what do you think that's all about then, Martin? I think she's found out about Fringe Division and wants to know more. Yeah, but the Bible? Uh, has it has it been indicated before that anything like this is to do with Bible verses? or? Nah, not really. No. The final scene reveals that Charlie is actually a shapeshifter. Oh, Charlie! The, who disposes of the real agent's body in the furnace beneath the hospital. That is a really a kick in the bollocks for that character, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a big old kick in the bollocks. It's alright for the actor, because the actor's still there. For how long, I can't remember, but holy shit, poor Charlie. And I didn't even like Charlie to begin with. But I do now, and now he's gone. But as you pointed out quite regularly during season one, he didn't really connect closely to the plot, as he wasn't mm-hmm. actually in Fringe Division. That's true. 
He only really started doing the fringe division stuff towards the end of the season, but he was still wasn't part of the team. No. But he was more involved towards the end, especially when he got those horrible worm things, the larvae thing, and his body. Right, Martin, so hit me with some facts. Facts, baby. The observer crosses the street near the crash. Okay. Um, oh, I have a fact. What's your fact? Um, Chris Tilton um, gets shared music by credit with Michael Giacchino as from this episode. So Michael Giacchino is not only the only one getting credited for doing music. There's a reference to Tim Leary, the quote-unquote guru of LSD. Wolf mentions briefly that he had met Leary and drugs were a point of interest. Right. Did you see The Observer? Nah. I missed him as well. I don't really look for him. <laughs> I don't really look up for my phone. Fair. <laughs> um, so, right, come on, more facts, hit me. At the end of the episode, Peter Bishop provides Philip Broyles with the transformation device. A montage of the principal characters is shown. The new character FBI agent A.B. Jessup is hard at work on her laptop. She is reviewing photos and notes from past fringe division cases. Hey, that's us. In a separate window, she is <laughs> writing notes. The notes are Bible passages. Her notes are, I have not figured out the four digits and FD notation. Her note is the first line... And the following lines are from my Bible research. Okay. Which is totally different to what you said. Shut up, Jimmy. Yeah. What? Um, yeah, I don't care about that. Um, so, the... Right. Is that all the facts? Is that everything? There's a big long X-Files in one, but I don't really understand it or want to read it. Right, cool. What do the glyphs spell out this week, Martin? Tower. Wow. And Martin's just broke something in his room. I went to pick up my phone from a waterline of the week and then it fell on the floor. Oh yeah, that thing. Um, do you have a waterline of the week, Martin? I want to see her face when she eats my pudding. Ah, damn it! <laughs> that was mine as well. No, seriously, that was mine. <laughs> so, next episode is called Night of Desirable Objects. I think that episode was named after you, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm quite desirable, man. I'm a fucking stud. Right. A highway construction worker in rural Pennsylvania goes missing when he is mysteriously drawn into an underground tunnel filled with human remains. Uh-oh. So, do you have anything else to add about this about this um episode, Martin, or can we call it a day? I like it when the show is up and running and... Not just doing some forced mystery of the week because we've got so many episodes to fill. Yes. Well, (laughs) it's only episode one, Martin. Come on now. I might change my tune as the season progresses. You might do. Um, But I I genuinely don't remember much of season two. Uh, So that's all we have time for. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. If you want to go to our website, it's shiftedbench.co.uk. Uh, for the third time, the um, email address is uh, contact at shiftedbench.co.uk. Don't know why, but third time. Uh, where can people follow you on the internet there, Martin? At the Faldor on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.